This is episode 35, uh, Great Mania. Shout out to being at that mania, but episode 35. Uh, we are back with <clears throat> kind of a, a specialty episode. We like to mix it up, so we're going to play a game-based show basically today. We'll we'll do the on this day and we'll, we'll jump into a few things, but uh, this episode is kind of going to be a, a talk-through episode of uh, this or that style game. Uh, but how are we doing today, gentlemen? We are fresh off Monday Night Raw and AEW this week. Um, nothing too crazy memorable, but nothing too bad either. Uh, but how are we doing? Pretty good. Um, you know, we be coming off of AEW Dynamite, which is, I thought, a really great show. A lot of great wrestling matches, especially Ricky Starks and Jay White for the main event. Um, and then looking forward to this game that we're about to do. Yeah, I woke up ready to debate, you know, ready for this episode to start, ready for the game to get going. Here's some interesting takes from these guys. So let's get let's get to it. Yeah, I will do the on this day today. So I have a couple uh, quick shout out. Well, before we get into the shout out, we will do a rest in peace. So the Iron Sheik passed away. Uh, let me I believe it was either today or yesterday. Um, so rest in peace to him. Obviously a legend. He was 81. It was today. Uh, 81 years old, it, to be quite frank, 81 in wrestling years, I actually think is quite a good age to get to because it seems like, you know, their wrestlers are never guaranteed usually like their 60s or 70s. So um, yep. 81, you know, RIP, um, a pretty, pretty famous guy when it comes to old school wrestling. So, and I believe he is a Hall of Famer, if I'm correct. Does anyone? Yeah, he that? was. Yeah. He was either 04 or 05. He was okay, inducted, yeah. I believe. I thought so. Yeah, Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so rest in peace to him. Birthday shout-outs to uh, Liv Morgan today. Also, Liv Morgan's birthday today, June 8th. Uh, so we're wishing Liv a speedy recovery as well for her injury. Uh, on this day, I'll do two. In 2016, uh, I'll do three, actually. I'll just mention in 2014... Uh, Ricochet became the youngest winner of the New Japan Pro Wrestling Best of the Super Juniors Tournament with a win over Kushida in the final in Tokyo, Japan. That was in 2014. And then in 2016, it was an NXT TakeOver event. It was called The End of the Beginning. It took place at Full Sail University. The main event was Samoa Joe retaining the NXT title against Finn Balor in NXT's first ever steel cage match. Earlier in the night, the Revival defeated American Alpha to win back the NXT Ch Tag Team Championships they had lost to take over Dallas the night be uh, before WrestleMania 20, uh, 32. Excuse me. And then in 2020, uh, during the COVID pandemic, uh, there was a SmackDown taping at the Performance Center in Orlando. AJ Styles defeated Daniel Bryan in the final of a tournament to crown the new Intercontinental Champion. Uh, that match was very good, if people remember. It was a very, very good TV match. Um, the title was vacated at the time. Does anyone know who vacated the title? 2020, shortly after Mania. Who was champ in 2020? It must have been somebody that got hurt. Wasn't hurt, but they chose to stay home during COVID. NXT, you say? No, this is the Intercontinental Champion. Intercontinental Champion. The one that AJ and Daniel Bryan fought for. 
chose to stay home during COVID. Not Miz, is it? Wasn't Miz. 2020. I'll give you a hint. He's in a tag team now. In a tag team? Wasn't a very big <laughs> storyline this past year at WrestleMania. Sam, was, this, Sammy Zane? was it Kevin Owens? Was Kevin yeah, Owens? Sammy Zane. Sammy Zane was IC uh, champion, if you remember. I don't. He had a couple good matches with Styles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you said big storyline. It was like 50 50 because you know it wasn't one of the episodes. I don't remember that. No, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, Doesn't ring point. a bell. <laughs> yep. Never heard of him. Uh, so that, that's the on this day. Uh, so we're just going to jump right into this. We're not even going to go into too much news. We know there's a couple of things out there, but we went over so much on, on Monday's episode that you saw on Tuesday. Um, we're just going to jump into it. So there's going to be plenty of probably of debate and maybe some laughter and some anger for some of these topics. <laughs> um, I tried not to make them too easy one way or the other, cause I actually thought there were some very intriguing things. That sometimes, honestly, maybe we've talked about or thought about, but we've never kind of like said one way or the other. So we're going to start. And I what I did was it's this or that, but I have different topics to go from. So I'm going to open with the first one. And this is Better Future, Ricky Starks or Austin Theory. Chris, you want to start or me? I'll start. Austin Theory. Uh, okay. Don't think it's close. He's already in the big leagues is what I consider WWE. He's won money in the bank. U.S. champ. He beat John Cena at WrestleMania. I think he is also a little bit younger than Ricky Starks, too. So mm-hmm. I got theory for that. I second that for all those reasons. Um, the accomplishments alone, you know, we love Ricky. Um, I think Austin Theory is also the better wrestler as much as I love Ricky, but Austin Theory just has every advantage possible. Like the U.S. Bell beat John Cena, big WrestleMania stage that's going to kind of set present to what he's going to be in the future. So he's got every accolade ahead of Ricky right now. But we do all love Ricky Stark, especially Jeremy. So I am also going to say Austin Theory, but I probably think it's the closest on this panel for star potential. If Ricky Starks went to WWE, I think he would be just as big as Austin Theory is or potentially even put into a main event role. Because I do think, in my opinion, he's just like Theory in a way of he's your prototypical WWE superstar. If he was allowed to do more, I think on the mic, like I still think right now, he's in a pretty good program right now, but I think he was put, you saw what happened when they put him with MJF, like how hot he got. So in my, and that's maybe that's the MJF factor as well, but um, I do want to give some love to Ricky Starks. It is relatively closer. This one is interesting. Uh, I don't know what'll happen. We'll see. Cause I know some people love one person, not the other. Sometimes. Uh, better on the mic. CM Punk or Triple H? I'll go. Go ahead, Sean. I'm going to go Triple H. Um, 
just because of the longevity factor. And if you look at all the feuds out there, there's more monumental moments that Triple H just had. Like he sparred with The Rock, John Cena, Randy Orton, like all the biggest names possible. CM Punk is excellent as he is. He kind of had like a short little run in WWE, maybe like 2011 to 2013. Then he kind of disappeared for a little bit and then went to AEW. Then he got hurt. So there are a little bit of gaps in between, whereas Triple H, I can go back on YouTube right now and come up with a thousand segments. Just the evolution ones alone, I can just come up with a million of them that are humorous, full of anger, whether he was, you know, drawing heat from the crowd, etc. The um, so game, uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to second that. I also am going to put Triple okay. H ahead of Punk. I think that just naturally he's so much better at being a face being a heel like whatever character he's a part of i think he can just like kind of become accustomed to that and be good on the mic no matter what i think punk may struggle a little more as a face than he does a heel on the mic and i think triple h has that advantage he can just kind of play whichever role he needs i did not think this would be a clean sweep for the first two i thought chris would definitely say punk (laughs) Uh, Triple H, like Sean said, the longevity factor I think is big for Triple H, but he's also someone that can talk in a humor role, in a serious role, in a heel role, and still do everything well. Um, I do think Chris is right in, in saying that. I think CM Punk's face work is not as good as his heel work, where Triple H's, like, I feel like it doesn't necessarily dip off like Punk's does. So good points, good points. I promise you there'll be difference. <laughs> uh, better finisher, Zoe Stark or Mercedes Monet? Omigo? It's, it's open, yeah, it's open. Being objective, I got to go with Zoe Stark uh, because I think hers takes a little bit more effort because her move is more strength-based and – you're going to be in the ring with people that are bigger than you, smaller. And in order to do your finisher, you have to adapt to all weight classes. And Zoe's got that strength where she's able to do that. And, you know, Mercedes, um, her finishers, the moneymaker is excellent as well. But she can kind of get away with it a little bit against, like, smaller opponents. And then New Japan, there's not really that many, like, women that are, like, bigger where she would have an opportunity to do one on. Where Zoe Stark has more people that like potentially um, are going to be a challenge to do it, and I just love the way like it looks. It's just an excellent finisher. I'm gonna go with Zoe Stark as well. Uh, I like can't think of a woman who's had a better finisher than that that I've ever seen. To be honest, I feel like a lot of finishers that the women do have are like I don't want to say easy, but I think hers is probably the most creative that I've seen. It's like a combination of a GTS with an AA, like it's a combination of a few W like male moves. So yeah. I think Zoe Stark probably has the best finisher maybe I've ever seen from a woman. Zoe Stark is a clean sweep. I thought this one was a little <laughs> bit more easier uh, to answer. But what I will say and what Sean pointed out was Mercedes would be interesting if she was doing that move to Rhea or, or someone bigger. I want to see it done to, to someone of that size and then maybe I think she'll also get probably a little bit more respect for what the move is, too. Um, I think people some sometimes have that dreadful first interaction of her finisher when they fucked, <laughs> it, when they fucked it up. But uh, I think that was also on Kyrie as well a little bit. But uh, OK, next one. Uh, 
This is interesting. Uh, bigger draw. Kenny Omega or MJF? MJF. You think so? Not even close. Not even close. Um, and I'm, not just, talking- I'm not just talking about AEW. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm still going to stick with MJF. Um, okay. And it's only based on now wrestling wise, not even close. Kenny to me is probably top two all time. But if you take storyline base, if you talk promos and you talk about pure heat, there is no one that I've seen that delivers that kind of heat. Then I remember like an 0203 Triple H. And MGF just impressed me every single time. He did it again last night with Adam Cole on the mic. Excellent verbal exchange. He just brings back that attitude era feel. Whereas Kenny, Kenny can still cut promos, but he's nowhere near MGF in that regard. And I know he's got that New Japan following, but I just think that MGF, what he's done his entire tenure in AEW has just been nothing short of phenomenal. Like he draws reactions left and right, and I, it's only going to get bigger as he gets old. He's still in his 20s, so MGF for me. This is a really, really difficult one. Uh-huh. Because I, I mean, I don't necessarily want to say maybe it's recency bias for MJF. Yeah. But if I'm looking at, I'm looking at both of them being free agents right now. I, yeah. I don't think there's any other bigger name than MJF to be, to be honest, to be signed. So I'm gonna go with MJF. All around, he's probably the best, the second best heel in the entire world right now to Roman Reigns. So, like. I don't know. This is a really difficult one. I'm going to go with MJF just because that's what I need to say. That's what I want to say. MJF. The reason I would select MJF is due to his age of him being younger. So you would have him for longer. That's kind of how I thought about this one. I mean, to play devil's advocate a little bit, Kenny is also way more experienced. He has experience in many different aspects of wrestling. MJF, we've never seen him also be more constrained like I think he would in WWE, where Kenny's character for me would instantly translate to WWE's programming as well. So that's why I don't necessarily... Don't get me wrong, MJF heel-wise is still, like Chris said, the second best heel going right now on TV uh, but I do think it's close in a sense of Kenny Omega can translate immediately to another company. MJF, we've never seen him in another setting like that. Like Kenny's done New Japan and he's done those things and he's been able to do it well in both areas. So that's kind of where I would, I guess I would lean Kenny for that. So the other question, I'll just play off of this one, is MJF or Roman Reigns? I, th- I, for, still, for I, I still think it's Roman Reigns, but I do think MJF is is picking up steam in terms of that. Yeah, Roman. <laughs> Roman. Yeah. He's the biggest draw in wrestling. Yeah. Okay, this one is also interesting. Uh, better wrestler, Liv Morgan or Jamie Hayter? Both up and coming, kind of getting into their own women. I'm going to give a slight edge to Jamie Hayter, even though I think Liv Morgan is probably one of the most improved. Uh, Jamie Hayter is probably the best in the AEW women's division right now, either her or Tony. 
Um, every time I see her out wrestling, she's never had a bad match. Um, she doesn't really botch anything. You know, there's obviously slip-ups and things like that that can occur. And she, for the most part, she's very smooth in her in-ring ability, in her movesets. And overall, I just like that she's like what she's done as an individual. Liv Morgan, they kind of throw her around the ringer a little bit. Like they'll have her in a title match and they'll throw her in like a useless tag team. Whereas Jamie Hayter is very consistent and she's holding down the well, She just lost the belt unfortunately due to the injury. But if she never got injured, we were about to see her in Mercedes. And we know that would have just tore the house down. So I give a slight edge to Jamie Hayter. Yeah, I think Jamie Hayter too. And I think if she was in WWE, she'd only be better because the competition's better. And I just like, look at whose careers kind of started off faster and Liv Morgan took a while. And like Sean said, she's probably the most improved, but Jamie Hayter was good right off the bat. So I'm going to, ha- I'm going to give, I'm going to give Hayter the edge as well. Yeah. Another clean sweep Hater for me though. The interesting thing is the sample size is also not big enough. I think for either of them to really say, in five years, we could have this conversation again, and Liv Morgan could have like multiple women's title runs, and it could be very different. Um, right. So I figured I would in, in, intrigue for that one. Okay, uh, better taker gimmick, biker or phenom? Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> this is all right. I got it. <laughs> as much as I love Biker and a Tigger, I gotta go Phenom <laughs> just because of everything around it. The entrance, it was the spookiest, most terrorizing entrance of all time. Opponents were left shook every time they heard it. The jacket, you know, the hat coming out there, rolling in the back of the eyes. He would basically carry most of his record was basically through the Phenom. And what he did throughout that tenure was just remarkable. I remember like... I think of like the all-time feuds with Randy Orton, he was doing Phenom, uh, let's see, Brock Lesnar. Like he was mixing up like all these feuds with the Phenom at Triple H. And the biker taker was only short-lived for a little bit. As excellent as it was, it was kind of short-lived, but the Phenom is the most iconic character of all time, in my opinion. I uh, am going to go with Phenom as well. This was tough, though, because growing up, I mean, I started watching wrestling when it was Biker Taker. So, yeah. like, first interaction he's one of the reasons. Yeah, he's one of the reasons I fell in love with wrestling was Biker Taker. But Sean's right. There's no better character than Phenom Taker. Um, what is it? Snatching souls and digging holes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I got to go with Phenom. I mean, he's one of the he's the best, of, greatest of all time. And I don't think it's close. And like Sean said, the biker taker was probably only a three, maybe four year window. So yeah, we didn't like get three, it long enough. Years. He he yeah. did need that though. He did need that change of character. He he himself said that his character was getting stale and he needed a little bit something different. So for the amount both are of great. time that was put into biker taker compared to Phenom, it's amazing what you got out of of Biker Taker as well, because his character changed a lot. But it it made him more of like a humanized wrestler compared to a character wrestler. Um, And I thought that was the big difference. But I would also go Fina. I I do think The Undertaker, that character, is untouchable when it comes to characters uh, all time. The next one should be interesting as well. Better Chop, Chris Benoit 
or Gunther? (laughs) (laughs) It's a tough one. I'll go first, Sean. You can keep thinking. Okay. I am going to go Gunther. I don't want to say Chris Benoit's name on this podcast. (laughs) 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 Even though I did draft him when we did our little draft before. I did not not put him in a match. Gunther, I mean, Chris Benoit, he has one of the greatest chops of all time. Gunther's just has so much force. Like, I think he would literally make my heart stop if he chopped yeah. <laughs> Like, so, I mean, I'm going to go Gunther just based off the fact that he fucking hits hard. Benoit did too, but Benoit would throw probably 30 chops in a match. He was very one-dimensional. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not about the wrestling. It's just about better chop. Yep. I'm going to second that. Uh, I'm going to say Gunther as well. However, if we're talking about like size to strength ratio, Benoit might get the edge on it. But we're not talking about that. We're just talking about pure what I see on TV and head to head. Doesn't matter. Gunther is mopping the floor with Chris Benoit on if they just did a chop off, who's going to win that exchange? And I get he's bigger, but every time I see, I remember the match at Dragon Off, both of them. Yeah. I thought I was surprised both of them walked out alive after that one. I'll say Gunther just because I don't want to give Crispin Benoit the satisfaction. But <laughs> I, the reason I did this is because I also think the size needs to be taken into consideration because Gunther is fucking huge. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's going to be more impactful with someone of that size. Uh, but that doesn't take anything away from him, of course. This is a 60-pound uh, weight loss, Gunther, too. Imagine if he's yeah. back to his weight. Uh, better entrance gear. Rey Mysterio or Seth Rollins? Rey Mysterio. Wow, that was quick. Yeah, because when you look at it, the mask alone is just legendary. All the designs, the creativity. And then you talk about the pants. I remember as a child, I wanted to like cop like some Rey Mysterio pants. I couldn't find anywhere. I never got to him, but... I just love all the designs. It's He's one of those characters where I feel like he goes into each week and doesn't want to wear the same thing twice. And every time, whether it's the Mexican flag colors, whether it's you no know, red and gold, white and gold, black and like blue, all the variations he has are excellent. Whereas Seth, he does have great gear, but he usually brings out like the best gear, usually only on pay-per-views, whereas Rey Mysterio on a week-to-week television program would always have something special. So, Sean, I don't know if you heard the question correct. Jeremy said entrance gear, correct. not gear. I'm going Seth Rollins on this one. Entrance I gear. think he entrance I, 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 I think he comes up with like much better robes and jackets and stuff like that. Like Sean, I think Rey Mysterio is the goat when it comes to just in-ring gear, but coming up with a different entrance robe on and stuff like that, I think Seth's got him on that. Okay. Yeah. I, I actually went with Seth as well for the simple fact that his entrance is a lot more stylish as well. I think he brings a lot more flair than Rey Mysterio does, just to consider that. Um, but I'm okay with your answer too, Sean, of actual ring gear. That's that's a fine answer as well, because Rey Mysterio that's, is one of the... That's guys. my fault. I misinterpreted the question. Oh, that's okay. 
Would you stick with with Rey Mysterio? That's okay if you do, because that's fine. Oof, I probably would have, but it would have been that gap would have been a lot narrower. That's fair. Uh, next one: Better Kane, masked or unmasked? Hmm. I'm gonna say mask because of when it during the, like it happened when he was masked. It was during the greatest era of wrestling, Attitude Era, and even though we weren't really around to see that much, we started like late around maybe 2001, 2002 when it was transitioned to WWE. But when going back and like seeing all the matches and segments with everything, Kane's old entrance is one of my favorite themes of all time. When he was aligned with Paul Bearer. When he was feuding with Undertaker, I just loved everything about Kane with that mask. And I, I honestly thought it was a great mask. Like, the hair encoded with it, like the long hair, I thought it was excellent. I think both separately would be would have two Hall of Fame careers. Masked Kane would be Hall of Famer. Unmasked would be. I think Unmasked Kane had a better career than Masked Kane. I think he won more world championships. I think it did more for his career. It revitalized him. Feuding with The Undertaker after he unmasked. Feuding with RVD, Shane McMahon, Eric Bischoff, whoever it was. 2003 Kane, I think, was probably the best year he ever had in wrestling. Right after he unmasked. So I'm going to go with unmasked. I also went with unmasked for the simple fact that when he unmasked, I think that was like one of the most intriguing. And if you were young, it was frightening. It was like an experience. Um, that I thought was like a more scary character than him having a mask. He was uh, letting mask, people on fire. The kids mask, were, kids the, were mask gave, the mask gave you the intrigue, of course, like who was under the mask. But when they took that shit off, man, and Chris is right in a sense of uh, the world championships that he won after he unmasked, it seemed like it elevated him to that um, that dominant status of a world champion. Um. But the contrary to Mast Kane would be, you know, he had the Brothers of Destruction. He had a great run um, as Mask as well. So I, I think it's tough because yep. he also had some good comedy bits as Mast Kane, which right. I really enjoyed a lot of times. The, the Rock and Hogan impression. Yeah, the Rock and Hogan. But even later in his career with Daniel Bryan, he had funny segments of Team Hell No. That was like there was, a lot, there, was a, there was a lot of stuff that was funny. Chris, would um, you, did you like see no evil Kane? That's the question, though. Would you... <laughs> never saw the movie, never will. I saw the movie. I was going to say, I'm, I'm like, you might, Chris, you're going to change your pick after the see no evil. <laughs> I don't want that to ruin him for me. Uh, so. it, it didn't ruin it for me, but it wasn't a great movie. Uh, okay. Better heel run, and I probably know what you guys are going to say, but I want to throw it out there just because anyways. Roman Reigns, 2023, 2022, 2021, Tribal Chief, or 2009 Randy Orton? Tribal Chief. <laughs> Sean didn't even think about it. Listen, I love Orton, but trip, when you talk about like legendary storylines on a week-to-week basis and like the unpredictability of the direction it's going to go in, it's got to go with the Tribal Chief. How he's influenced, he starts off like aligning his family into the picture. And then there's he's has all these feuds, great matches where the Usos, his cousins are helping him out every week. 
And then down the line, there's tension. He's manipulating them to join, or you talk to your brother, talk to your brother, bring Solo Sokoa into the picture. Then they're feuding left and right, and now they're turning on one another. It's And then they add Sami Zayn into the mix. I just think this is one of the most like bizarre but most entertaining stories because you don't know like the roller coaster ride it's become. You don't know what's going to happen on a week-to-week basis. Even this Friday with Jey Uso making his decision, you don't know where it's going to go. And I just think those three years have um, like flown by so quickly of how amazing this story has been. So I'm going to go Roman Reigns. Yeah, I'm going to go Roman as well. Um, 2009 Norton does deserve his respect, though. That was one of the greatest heels of all time. But also, I think this run that Roman is on is one of the greatest heel runs ever. And I think maybe what would be close to it would be probably... 02 to 05 triple h H. i think that's i I think that could be number one it's an argument to have i think that's the closest thing to roman right now though so i gotta give the edge to roman that's fair i also picked roman i just wanted to throw in some love for the 2009 some of these are (laughs) are clear but i do want to talk about age of born was phenomenal he was an absolute menace as a heel back then uh better wrestler bald orton (laughs) yeah bald orton uh better wrestler brian danielson or John, not John Cena, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Bret Hart. He said it a few weeks ago that he was. I mean, I've already said my stance on it. I'm going to stick with it, Bret Hart. It is close, though. It is not a wide gap. It is very close. I just think Bret Hart can do more. In my style of wrestling, like, I love the mat wrestling and everything like that, but... I also like to see high flying, like off the rope, strength moves, a little bit of everything. And I just think well-rounded wise with these two, I just think Brett can do a little bit more. Um, so that's why I give him the, the slight edge. I am with Sean, I think, on this one. I was thinking back, I was thinking back on the Mount Rushmore that I had of in-ring wrestling, and uh-huh. I think I do currently have Bret Hart on that. I'm not saying one day Brian Danielson won't go on it because, I mean, I know he's getting older. He might be slowing down part time. I think there's a chance that he could catch him because, if anything, he's maybe five or six on my list. But I, I also do think that Bret Hart can do a little bit more along the lines of like power moves. And I also think that he was one of the best technical wrestlers of all time as well. Um, so I do give the slight edge to Bret Hart for this. It's close. It is very close. Uh, you know, I think I'm Bret going. Hart was ahead of his time as well. I think Bret Hart was ahead of his time, and I think Brian Danielson can wrestle circles around him. That's just me. <laughs> uh, I think Brian Danielson is the best technical wrestler next to Kurt Angle, probably of all time. Uh, and I, I, I particularly don't think anyone, technically wise, is that close. Ahead of Sean? Technical wrestling? Yes. yes. Shawn Michaels wasn't a technical wrestler, really. He was more of your all-around style wrestler, can do a bit of everything. Yeah. Danielson, I I just think, if you think about the intricacies of his movesets and how he wrestles when he's on the mat and how he gets out of things, it is just better than everyone else. I'd love to know what's going on in his mind because I think he thinks of things that no one thinks about. And I think a lot of people in AEW go to him for advice on how to wrestle. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I set myself up for that one, so I'll take take the take something. For there. Something that I do want to say that I think is very interesting when it comes to Bret Hart is 
him and Shawn Michaels had such a huge rivalry and like watching their matches back, like they're very close to like being like so good, like one A, one B. And yep. I feel like Bret Hart sometimes doesn't get the recognition that he deserves You're because right. you know yeah he him and him and Sean were one and two back then. And I think it's a lot closer than people think when it comes to in ring wrestling between the two. I think when we talk about this stuff too, it's very hard to pair wrestlers together unless they're exactly the same type of style. So right. yes, Bret Hart could probably do more power moves, but Danielson also can move a bit faster than he can. And he does this right. stuff over the top rope or through the top rope that Bret Hart did not do because wrestling wasn't like that back then. So I also think this question also comes down to a lot of preference when we talk about these because everyone has a preference of the style of wrestling that they like. That's why I think Okada and Danielson is going to be a very phenomenal match because they're pretty much like the same in regards to ability. Okada can probably, you know, power, he can do more power probably than Danielson. But I also think that is going to be, I mean, it's so hard to say that's going to be probably the best match on the card because we have Kenny and Osprey. That'll be number two. Uh, yeah, Kenny. Yeah, Kenny. Not I, I just don't know what to say about how good that card's going to be if they can actually fill it out with a lot of other good matches. It's going to be very top heavy. Yep. It is going to be very <laughs> top heavy. Uh, better face of the company, John Cena or Roman Reigns? John Cena. Wow, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, one. I'm gonna say John Cena because of the fact that you know longevity wise, he's been the guy for a longer period than Roman Reigns was. And when you take Roman Reigns, like before the three years where he's doing like the best work of his career, to your point, Jeremy, he was very stale as far as like the crowd didn't know what to do. Do we boo him? Do we cheer him? What's the character? What's the gimmick and everything? His matches at WrestleMania, when he was starting to get into like WrestleMania, you know, 31, 32, 33, 34, the crowd was kind of sick of him at that point. And they were kind of giving him like stale reactions and like the heat just wasn't building up. Whereas John Cena kind of like came into the company, he emerged around 2004 when he was kind of in the middle of like the battle rap gimmick. Then in 2005 came, he was feuding with JBL, won the belt, got drafted to Raw, and then he had probably the best 15-year stretch, about 10 to 15-year stretch of any superstar I've ever seen where he was like holding down the company single-handedly. Yeah, I'm going with John Cena. I think... T talking about different generations of wrestling, I think he's probably the greatest face of the company ever, just longevity-wise as well. I mean, Stone Cold was the face of the company for a while. Maybe Triple H had it for a while. But there was literally, like Sean said, a 10 or 15-year career where it was John Cena. Nobody else. Like, Randy Orton might have got close. Maybe they wanted to try, try to get Batista close. But John Cena was above everybody else for those 10 or 15 years. As much as people hated him and booed him, I mean, you can't disagree that he's probably the greatest face of the company ever. He literally held it down. So it sounds familiar what you just said if people boo him. So I also went John Cena, but the longevity factor is going to start creeping up on John Cena if Roman continues for the next two or three years because he debuted in 2010 and realistically he probably, what, the 2013? was really when they were like pushing him as face of the company, maybe 2014. Uh, so it's been already nine years. If he goes for a few more years, I think there's definitely, 
the thing about this too is John Cena has his whole make a wish and things like that. Roman also does all of the promotion for a lot of wrestling material. So Roman is also like all on the tonight show and does all of those things. He is also portraying a very large face of the company and it shows when, you know, they make a production like WrestleMania and when he walks out, you just think this is like the biggest guy that there is. So he's also the biggest draw in wrestling right now, which is why I think it's close, but I, I would agree with the John Cena longevity statement. Better wrestler, Rey Mysterio or Eddie Guerrero? Got Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Rey Mysterio is excellent. I think he's the best high flyer wrestler ever. But if we're talking, you know, just all around who can do more, Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero's in my top four wrestlers of all time. With the power moves, he does high flying with the frog splashes. He does um, the three amigos. He does all different mats. Wrestling, uh, the lasso from El Paso, one of the great submission holds that was, um, you know, very rarely used, like that kind of style. The mat wrestling was excellent. Eddie Grail could just do everything well. And one of my favorite matches was him and Kurt Angle, WrestleMania 20. If you want to see a technical masterpiece, go back and watch that to any one watching right now that wants to see an absolute clinic of a wrestling match. So Eddie Grail for me, but Rey Mysterio is excellent. I also have Eddie. I think in my eyes, Eddie's probably the third greatest wrestler of all time. And I think him and Rey Mysterio worked very well together. Um, and I know Rey Mysterio got the better end of it more than Eddie did, but True. looking at them in the ring, I mean, I don't think it was close. I think Eddie's clearly the better wrestler. Um, Rey Mysterio obviously has the longevity, obviously, but Eddie Guerrero, man, he, he was on another level as well. I mean, if you go toe to toe with Kurt Angle at WrestleMania and you beat him in one of the best technical matches of all time at a WrestleMania, that says something. So uh, Eddie Guerrero to me is just way better. I had Eddie Guerrero. I don't think the gap is as big as you guys do. Uh, to quote Bret Hart recently, he said, Rey Mysterio could be one of the best wrestlers of all time, uh, which he definitely is. And I, I think he's another one, like you said about Bret Hart, that doesn't nearly get talked enough when you talk about those best wrestlers of all time. I do think Eddie had the element of being able to also just do more physically uh, but I do think Ray deserves his flowers, which is why I paired them together. I got Ray in my top 10. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely top 10. Yeah. All time, better, uh, sorry, bigger draw. Goldberg, remember his WCW days, an actual bigger draw in what it would be right now, or Brock Lesnar? Brock Lesnar. A part of it, it could be a part of it could be a bias because you know, growing up, I didn't see much of WCW, so I can kind of base off of like what I've seen from highlights and stuff. As big as Goldberg was, and he has probably the greatest WCW record of all time. But if you talk every era possible, like Brock Lesnar starting WWE from two thousand two, his first tenure to two thousand four, did excellent stuff. Then he took a hiatus with the UFC left and right. He came back. I think it's 2012 um, when to confront John Cena and the crowd absolutely exploded when he comes anytime just that entrance music hits, the fans go ballistic, whether he's a face, whether he's a heel line with Paul Heyman. I just think he's just one of those box office draws um, and he just has a huge fan base with the UFC audience. 
WWE. Um, I know he traveled for the Vikings, so he's got some NFL football player and um, audiences as well. So I just think that mesh combined um, gives him the edge. So I'm going to go Goldberg. And the only reason why I'm going to go Goldberg is because when Brock was arguably his best, which might have been 2003, Goldberg came into WWE. Yep. And he was so much better than Brock Lesnar yep. in terms of drawing fans to to watch the product. And they kind of handed him the world championship right away, taking it from Triple H. And Brock Lesnar was also champ at the time for SmackDown. Mm -hmm. But I just think Goldberg draws different people to the TV screen. I don't know what it is that that people love about Goldberg, because I know we're not huge Goldberg fans. (laughs) But I mean, having him come to WWE in 03 was kind of groundbreaking. Back it was. Then. So I remember when he debuted, so, it was huge. Yeah. yeah he, so I I'm, he kept whooping um, Brock Lesnar's ass back in the day. <laughs> I do yeah. I do think it's close, but to even say this, when he came back in 2015 or 2016, he was drawing numbers again that Brock Lesnar was huge not drawing numbers. without Goldberg. So I gotta go with Goldberg on this one. Slight edge. I actually think it is as close to a tie as possible, but I will give the edge to Goldberg for the reasons that Chris just said. At their highest, peak highest, I think Goldberg drew just a little bit more than Lesnar. The longevity piece, I do not include in this, and I don't think it's part of this argument, because if it was longevity and how they do now, I think Lesnar is absolutely a bigger draw and still gets cheered every single fucking crowd he's in. But I think if Goldberg came back tomorrow, he would also still get cheers from people. Yeah. From the old but I think at their at their highest peak, 2003 is a great example of Goldberg being able to come in and absolutely wreak havoc. And I think... House. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it was wild. And I don't think we talk about, you know, we talk about a lot of stuff, but I don't think we talk about like that type of thing, which is why I wanted to include it on this. This was my goal was like some of those older years, some of those characters that we don't talk about, like Goldberg, um, that's a big part of like basically all of 2003 was his huge run. Oh, I yeah. love Goldberg back in the day. Young Goldberg, I was a huge fan of him back in the day. So give yeah. him his respect. Uh, the next one, interestingly enough, they were in a feud. Better on the mic. Try not to do recency bias. I'm not saying there is or there isn't. <laughs> L.A. Knight or Bray Wyatt? Bray Wyatt. i mean i think bray wyatt is one of the greatest characters as far as promo work in the history of wrestling i think he's great no matter what he does face bray wyatt heel bray wyatt when he was with the wyatt family the firefly funhouse the most recent bray wyatt he is just fantastic on the mic and it is very hard for people to go toe-to-toe with him good for la Knight for doing that I think it brought a lot out of Bray having somebody as good as LA Knight too, but I think Bray Wyatt is just like levels above. Um, also going Bray Wyatt, and I don't think it's close. Wow, Sean, I'm a little <laughs> surprised in you. I, I don't think it's close because of you have to take longevity into the mix in order for LA Knight to even be like in the conversation. He needs to be as hot as he is right now for at least another four years straight. 
four or five years. Sure. Um, you know, I look at the gimmick Eater of Worlds, um, The Fiend, you know, the Bray Wyatt, every stable he's a part of, he just has a story for everything. And he's the most, I think he's pro arguably the most creative minded superstar of all time. And when he delivers promos, like, you don't know what he's going to say. Like, is it going to be on a Firefly Funhouse Titantron? Is it going to be in the ring just delivering, like, uh, why he's going after you? He delivers an explanation, too, which I like. So anytime he was involved in attacking you, he would give an explanation of what he was doing. And then the promos just carried over. L.A. Knight, as great as he is, it's very short-lived right now because he kind of just started. Like, NXT, he absolutely, uh, with the million-dollar gimmick, started to blow up. And he's now he getting, over. and he's now getting over right now. But I just think that you know, body of work, it's got to be Bray Wyatt. Not was, that sorry. Before Jeremy yeah, goes, go ahead, Chris. No, I don't know if this matters or not. Bray Wyatt's thirty six. La La Knight's forty. Bray Wyatt's been doing this. Yep, that's true. You know, <laughs> what I will say is La Knight is getting over right now when he's not supposed to. That means they have a star. And they need to start adapting to that very quickly. I also went Bray Wyatt for the simple fact that, like Triple H, I think Bray Wyatt can work in any fashion, whether it's comedic, whether it's serious, um, whether it's in a heel fashion. Bray Wyatt is someone that is going to paint you a story with his words and it's very easy for him. I also think that it being easy for him uh, really just adds to his character. I also want to just take a moment to think about how good you have to be to lead a faction in WWE specifically and for it to be that successful that they keep it for, I mean, the run with the Wyatt family because they had Strowman at the second time was probably like a good seven years, maybe more. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so to have a faction for that long, obviously you're doing something correct as the leader. So I, I give the advantage to him. I would love to revisit this question in five or six years to see what happens with LA Knight. Right. Uh, so this question is about Bray Wyatt. Better Bray Wyatt. Wyatt family, Bray Wyatt, or The Fiend? Wyatt family. Because oh, wow. okay. now the fiend is one of the best like characters, but the problem is there wasn't really much verbal with the fiend because the way they had to do it, they kind of had to do like alter egos where you had Mister Rogers type Bray Wyatt, and you only really saw that on a Titantron. Whereas Bray Wyatt uh, from the Wyatt family, he was in the ring, and it was more story based driven, and it got everybody involved. That's a good point. Um, so, so I have to go on the Bray Wyatt family, um, character. I'm also going with the Bray Wyatt family character. I just liked everything about him more during that phase where he's coming out with the lantern, the rocking chair, his promo work was great with guys like Daniel Bryan, who had to join the Wyatt family, John Cena at WrestleMania Cena. 30. Yeah. And it's very hard for me to get over the fact that The Fiend was ruined so fast. Yeah. I think The Fiend could have been one of the greatest characters of all time if they booked it correctly. And they just dropped the ball with that. And it's very hard for me to forget. Hell, Hell in a Cell was the beginning of the end. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's what I was going to say about The Fiend. I, I would put The Fiend with Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt as a two-in-one because like, he was that alter ego, like you said, Sean. And I really enjoy Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt as wacky and goofy and 
weird as it is sometimes, I just think that Bray Wyatt is really exciting. But you are right in a sense. I didn't really think about this, but most of the time we only saw that Bray Wyatt on a screen and we did not see him like in the ring interacting with others. So that is a great point. And the fiend is ruined, I think, for everyone. Which, and I think he, it's even ruined for him. I think he said recently, uh, like he doesn't ever want to bring back that character. But yeah, so, Vince. But yeah, Vince yeah. wants to bring it back. I'm not sure if you guys saw it. Vince wants to, Vince wants to bring it back because it sells. That's pretty much why he wants to bring it back. And then he can destroy that creation again as well. Yeah. Um, better future, Jungle Boy or Darby Allen? I got Darby. Because Darby, you know, he's already working with the legend and Sting, and he already has that experience with working with. It just shows like it's like a typical like um, normal human being like at a company. Like, can you work well with others? And he's had the opportunity to work with one of the best legends of all time in Sting, and they don't really need to do anything that's really crazy. Like they go out together, they have that dark gimmick, and Darby can wrestle his ass off. I think Darby's the better wrestler. It's not. It's it's close. It's very close to me. I think it's one A one B. Um, but I also think Jungle Boy is a character. Now, Darby's not a great talker either, but I just think he has more content than Jungle Boy does. Jungle Boy kind of goes out there and says, oh, I'm going to kick your ass, and then that's it, and they leave it at that. He only had that one good um, outing with Christian, and then from there, there wasn't really much out there. He had great promos with Christian, just to back him up a little bit. He had great promos with Christian. For sure. Um, but I just think Darby has more um, experience, and you know he's already been through the ringer with, like, he's got that Jeff Hardy-type mindset where he's going to bring iconic moments in the ring. I'm jumping off ladders through tables. I don't think Jungle Boy is going to be willing to do the Daredevil stuff. Um, so I give Darby that slight edge, even though Jungle Boy is excellent. I also have Darby, and I do think it's close. I just think that you can do more with him as far like character-wise. He's, he's easier to book, I think, than Jungle Boy is. I think Jungle Boy is just a little too vanilla and he he needs I think he just needs more time because he is still young. I know he's been doing it for a little bit, but I don't know if he needs more time. I don't know if it's a comfort thing. I don't know what it is with him, but I just feel like Darby's more natural in his character. And I also think it says a lot to Darby that he was CM Punk's first feud when CM Punk came out of a seven year retirement. Yeah. I think it says a lot about him as well. So I think Darby Allen has a little bit brighter of a future ahead of him. One of the few people that CM Punk actually liked in AEW. I think Darby, based on his actual character, it's easier for him, correct? Uh, I think Jungle Boy is the better wrestler. I think Darby does maybe more of the, like, more ridiculous shit that it looks like he's going to, like, break his body when he does that. But I think Jungle Boy is also the better wrestler. Um, It's interesting because I want to see Jungle Boy as a heel. Because I think people would get a different taste and maybe he'd be able to work his character like that a little bit better. Um, I don't know, because I think there's a lot of ways you can go with both of them. But I, I will give Darby the advantage for simply having an easier character right now. Next one, better feud, Gargano Cole or Gargano Champa? <laughs> <laughs> this is fake. 
I'm just going to strictly keep this to wrestling purposes. Now, I'm probably like not going to have the right answer on this one because if we're taking everything, I feel like a lot of people are going to say Ciampa, Gargano. But I got to go Cole and Gargano because of the fact that one of those matches is probably a top three match of all time. If we're talking you know, all promotions. And being NXT Brooklyn, seeing Adam Cole and Gargano that first match, what an absolute banger. You didn't know who the fuck was going to win that match. I, there are many times I thought Cole was going to win. Then all of a sudden it swayed over to Gargano. Their second match was phenomenal where, you know, then they ran it back at third time. Like they have every match has been absolutely insane, very fast paced, which I love fast paced matches because I just love nonstop action. What those two did together, like the chemistry was just through the roof. I am going to go with Gargano and Champa. Um, I know they're, you're upset because you have to say that. <laughs> I am. If we're talking wrestling, we're talking Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano. I think they had the better wrestling matches. Sure. But if we're talking strictly a feud, I mean, you have one best friend turns on the other. A, you have a career on the line in one of the matches. You have Chicago street fights. You're involving the dude's torn ACL with the cast and the knee brace. And there's, there was no better story in NXT maybe all time than those, what those two told. So I think that's clear cut, probably the greatest feud of all time in NXT. And hopefully they bring that up to the main roster at some point. We'll see. Yeah. I also think it's Gargano Champa. For the simple reason, uh, the Gargano-Cole match, WrestleMania weekend, would have never happened if Champa did not get hurt. That was supposed to be the final match with Gargano finally going over on Champa. Um, I just think every wrestling is so much more than just wrestling, and that story was one of the best stories, and I think what carried NXT to lengths of having such an amazing roster was that story that was main eventing over the nxt championship at last man standing for, back for multiple pay-per-views champa was coming out story is so champa was coming out to no theme music yeah that's no how big music. of a heel he was <laughs> and at that time he was probably the best heel in wrestling uh, and I, I don't think it was that close either yep, back it in wasn't. he was he was clear-cut the best yeah. um so it would. I am hoping Triple H pulls some strings and somehow creates that magic on the main roster as well. For sure. Um, better faction, the Bloodline or the Elite? Bloodline. This was an easy one. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking wrestling, obviously the Elite. Wrestling ability. <laughs> 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 I, that's not what the question was. Um, yeah, uh, it's got to be Bloodline because, you know, as great as Kenny and the Young Bucks are, they don't touch, they only come close to what the mic work of the Usos is. It's because there's not really much of a story there. A leader more like wrestle um, based, like their storylines kind of develop as far as they someone usually starts with them. And they kind of like evolve and start stories from there. Whereas the bloodline, they have feuds amongst themselves, let alone like feuding with other people. And then from there, then you get Paul Heyman in the mix, who's one of the greatest talkers ever. Jay and Jimmy are killing it. And then Roman, we know what Roman Reigns is doing as a heel with the tribal chief. I just don't think it's even close for this particular argument. Yeah, I'm going to go with bloodline. 
And I also don't think it's close considering I don't even know if the elite is the second best in the entire world. I don't even think there's the best in their company as far as a faction right now. They're not right. I don't think it's close. My reasoning for this question is the simple fact that I wanted to bring up a second question. Is the bloodline the best faction of all time? No. Evolution. Quick answer, Sean. Evolution. You think evolution is better? You want to tell me why? I think if you look at each person individually, the talent pool and just the legendary status, like people can clown Batista all they want. They can say, oh, yeah, well, Batista was surely. As a faction, though, I'm talking about, not individually. I'm talking about as a faction. No, I know, but I have, I have to incorporate individual as part of it because I think that's very okay. important with it. So Batista, while he was in there, Drew, like, he was one of the biggest things going. He was, like, the big, um, you know, the scary guy of the crew where no one wanted to mess with him. Ric Flair just had the legendary stats alone, so he was going to be loved by the fans regardless. Triple H was probably, I think he is the only guy that surpasses Roman Reigns as a heel all time. Because we were talking about who's the greatest heel. If you were to have that argument, I would give the slight edge to Triple H. And then Randy Orton. What he's done back then as a group, and then what he evolved when he was uh, eventually evolution turned on Randy Orton. And then you go Batista turned on Triple H at the contract signing when he picked Raw over SmackDown. I just think there's more talent and just story based driven with that, whereas the Bloodline kind of has to rely on like Roman kind of holding it down because I just don't think the Usos are going to be anywhere near what they are unless they're attached to Roman. This is this one's that's a tough question. I I don't I would have to look at it, but I don't think that I can say the bloodline is the greatest faction of all time either. Sure. I think I think factions like NWO might be higher. I think uh-huh. DX might be higher. I also might have Evolution a little bit higher as well. Even though what the about bloodline... the Shield for either of you is the Shield better than the Bloodline? No, personally, I don't think so. No, because um, the storyline-wise, it just didn't last as long as um, Bloodline. Individually, like the they're better, obviously, right? Wrestling, wrestling, I feel like... Oh, you ever talking... Yeah, talent pool, absolutely. I feel like the Shield was harder to book. Agreed. I, 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 think, I think they had a tough time booking them because they wanted them to be so dominant, but... A yeah, lot they, of the competition back then for the Shield was kind of shit. I was going to say, guess, like it wasn't. That's close. a good point. I was about to yeah. bring that up. The competition back then was absolute dog share on the mid to right. uh, 2010. So there wasn't really much to do yeah. with them until eventually they had to pull the trigger with Seth to turn on Roman right. and Dean. And Sean, what to your point, time. to your point about Evolution being the greatest. Mm-hmm. I mean, at one point they did hold all the titles on Monday Night. Yeah, Raw. very true. So to your very to your true. point, they did do that in probably. That was a different era of wrestling back then. Yep. Yeah, that's all. NWO was, was a good show shout as well, Chris, because I do think that holds a lot of weight. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, better announced team. Oh wait, Jeremy, you gotta pick yours. Who uh, who would you say is your greatest faction of all time? I mean, my question was the blood is the bloodline. I I would also say someone like NWO potentially Evolution could be a bit better than them. DX is also one of my personal favorites of all time so i think that's a tough one i don't think the bloodline is but listen the story is not over yet so give me give me a little bit more time and we'll see uh better announced team jr and king or colin taz jr and king 
Wow, okay. Listen, Michael Cole and Taz were excellent, but I thought Monday Night Raw was the better show than SmackDown in general, and I just thought they just drew more. Like, maybe it's because of everything. I'm talking like the Raw theme song was always better than the SmackDown one back then. And just the announced team, JR just brought a special energy. And then you mix that with King's humor and like, hey, puppies, JR, and little things like that. <laughs> I just thought it was just for the means of an absolute entertaining show week to week. Whereas Taz and Michael Cole, Taz kind of brought that like the hardcore wrestling type energy. And Cole was a very young Cole back then. So Cole didn't bring out what he's doing right now, like the what he's doing with Pat McAfee. Well, now it's Wade Barrett, but when he was with Pat McAfee, it was probably his most recent best stuff. But I just think that JR and um, Jerry the King Lawler just had a special type of chemistry that just can't be matched. Go ahead, Chris. I'm also, I'm also going to go JR and uh, King. I think JR is the GOAT, so it's very yep. hard to pick against them. And like Sean said, they just played off each other. They were two polar opposites that were hilarious together on at that announce table i do think it's close though i was always a bigger smackdown fan personally i always love watching friday night smackdown not having to wake up saturday morning that is, that is, that's a good point <laughs> getting to stay up late so i always loved michael cole and taz i think michael cole was great back then as a young okay. michael cole i think young michael cole is better than anything we've seen since probably 2010 and on He's he's I, been I, I really close do. the past couple of years. What I'll say right. is this. I also think it, it's worth taking in consideration when Cole is done, how close is he going to be to JR? Because I actually think longevity-wise, there's probably going to be an argument at some point for who the GOAT is. Like I think right now it's JR. I also think we're in a time of if he keeps doing commentary, he's going to fucking commentate himself out of that fucking role. <laughs> but... Cole is is putting on some fantastic work after a rejuvenated session of probably doing very poor commentating work for like six, seven, eight years because he just yeah. seemed disinterested. As with the state, and yeah, very he there he went very stale those like years. The only time he would really do it for like special people, like whether it's Sasha Banks or Roman, it's a Roman, big dog. Yeah. Like other like other than that, he was just kind of coasting along like for the show. That's why I got to give the edge to Jr. in that one. I also think Jr. is a goat. What I will say though is I actually thought Taz and Michael Cole's chemistry was just as good as Jr. and yep. King because I thought that. That is the best two tables you can have in commentating. And no offense to AEW, they have some great ones right now. Excalibur, I think, is great, and Shivani is good. But those are the two best commentating booths ever, in my opinion. Like I, I don't think it's close either. What I would have loved to seen, like I thought NXT had some great commentating booths with Moro and Nigel McGuinness. I thought those were really, really good. That Cole, Just, you Cole and JBL, I thought you was didn't excellent. Get to see too. it forever. Yeah. So it's interesting, but I, I think it's very, I think it's closer. Jr. is the goat, so it puts him ahead. But I loved, like Chris, the SmackDown vibe, and I, I just think it was a different vibe from Raw. And I actually liked the music better on SmackDown. I'll say that from Raw. I think back in the day. Um, better underrated superstar, RVD or Christian? RVD. Okay. Uh, if we're talking just from a wrestling perspective, RVD could do more. 
And I always loved his moveset. Like the Rolling Thunder to me was one of the most under like appreciated moves of all time, I think. And, you know, I look back at like their career ways. Now, Christian obviously is, is definitely clear cut the more iconic superstar. But if we're just talking the, the specific question of underrated, I, I got to go RVD because I feel like he didn't really get his props when he was the ECW champion and WWE champion when he was uh, simultaneously. That was That's a good point. Yeah, so I got to go there and had one of the best matches against John Cena at uh, Hammerstein. That was an incredible atmosphere. That whole match was insane. Exactly. So I got to go along with that argument. So I got to go RVD with the slight edge. I'm going to go Christian. I think Christian was always overshadowed by Edge, which is yep. very unfortunate because I do I agree that RVD is the better wrestler. I just think Christian could do more as far as promo work he was i think he could put on a good match with anybody just like rvd but i also think christian probably has the accolades on rvd i just think he gets overlooked when you talk about the history of wrestling because edge 100%. took off in 2005 and christian stayed at that mid-card level until edge retired in 2011 and then christian finally got his world championship yeah so i i am gonna say christian slight edge to christian unintended i'm off. I'm also <laughs> I'm also going to say Christian for the simple fact that Christian seems like a world title worthy adversary in every company that he's worked for. So when he worked for WWE, when he did ECW, when he was in TNA, when he is in A when he was in AEW, he fought Kenny for the world the, the second world title there and he won it. Christian still to this day seems to always never get his due of actually being a world-class competitor. And like Chris said, he is definitely overshadowed when it comes to that, that tag team with edge. Uh, in, and rightfully so edge is an incredible, incredible superstar himself. But I, I do think Christian is also someone that goes way under undervalued. Those are good arguments. And Christian is another one who, on the mic, can do it as a face or as yes, a heel. Yes, very, very good. His AEW heel been wrong a, stuff is excellent. He also was in some of the funniest promos of all time. The rap yeah. battle with John Cena backstage at Rumble. Oh, God. O2 when he's throwing the temper tantrums every time he loses. Christian yeah. has been a part of some of the funniest shit. The Goldust gold backstage yeah. segments. Yes. Even his work with Tomko as the problem solver and the peeps, yep. the peep show. Yep. And they obviously all the stuff he did with Edge as a tag team, it was it was very underrated. Uh bigger moment and better moment. This could be a biased, but I think I know what Sean's gonna choose. Uh <laughs> Becky Two Belts or Kofi Mania. <laughs> <laughs> Becky Two Belts. <laughs> I mean, listen. Kofi Kingston. It's just because you hate Kofi. I don't hate Kofi. I honestly don't. I but I just think that Kobe <laughs> Kofi Kingston, I am gonna stand by it. Kofi Kingston is a very good wrestler, but he's probably as good the top mid-card type level wrestler you're gonna see. I just I mean, I understand why they did it because the times we were in, so they had the pressure to like, you know, go through with it, pull the trigger, give him the belt. But I still am sticking with it. Daniel Bryan should have retained. I don't. I think Daniel Bryan clearly is a um, was not a B plus player. Kofi Kingston to me is a B plus player. So and then with Becky Lynch, 
I mean, Becky Lynch um, is going to be arguably the greatest superstar of all time, arguably, if you talk full package with. So she's the greatest talker ever. Having those accolades to her list and then just the energy she brought with the belts, like flying the Conor McGregor type strut with it, just it was a huge moment for her. And she delivered like she absolutely had banger matches after that. Like she was feuding with everybody, Sasha Banks. Bailey, Charlotte, like the list goes on. And I just think it was more iconic for Becky. I am also going to go with Becky two belts. I do think Kofi deserves his credit. He had a great championship run. And I think that was a fantastic match. It was probably the best match of that WrestleMania was Kofi versus Daniel Bryan. But I think the bigger moment was Becky Lynch holding those two championships up at the end of the night, capping off what was probably the the best buildup and feud to a women's WrestleMania match of all time, and it was the main event. First ever women's main event of WrestleMania. So I'm going to give the edge to Becky Lynch for this one for the bigger moment, but Kofi does deserve his credit. That was fantastic. I think this one is so interesting for multiple reasons. I think Becky winning both belts and then losing a belt within a month deteriorates that moment for me. And I also think that WrestleMania, it seemed like it lost steam once Kurt Angle and Baron Corbin went out there. The last like four <laughs> matches seemed to be not as exciting. So I don't want to give it a downplay because it was the main event and we had to wait like eight hours for it. But I think it's very, very close for a bigger moment. I did pick Becky Lynch as the bigger moment for the sim- also the simple fact, first ever women's main event. I think that holds a ton of weight. Yep. But in terms of actual moment and not taking everything else into consideration, I think it is literally neck and neck. And the only reason I gave it to Becky is because it was the main event and the first time of a women's main event. Because if you actually look at the run with Becky with two belts and Kofi's title run, Kofi's was better because Becky lost a championship. Until Brock. Becky, <laughs> lost, Becky lost the championship within a month. That that completely deteriorates the point. Only one belt, though. That's what I mean, but that still deteriorates Becky two belts. That's the story in the moment that I'm talking about. It's right. tough, though. Because- if, we're asking, if we're asking who had a better championship run, Kofi. It's probably Kofi. I, I, I mean, terrible ending to the run. I honestly didn't really like Kofi's run, honestly. He didn't really have any memorable feuds to me. Listen, I also think the best part of that WrestleMania and Becky's um, win was her run to the title, not her winning the mm-hmm. title. I think it was way better for her to chase than it was for her to win. I, th- I think it's honestly the same for Kofi as well. I think Kofi, like the hype up, um, you know, the pressure. Of him oh no! Through. I think I think the win was huge for him compared to Becky. Well, yeah. Becky's going to win more championships and has won more championships. Kofi is literally never going to win. It's a world always title tough because I think that Becky winning. I think that Becky winning was more predictable than Kofi winning. Oh yeah, correct. they had to give it to Becky Very on that correct. one, even though there were talks that Ronda was not going to be willing to take that pinfall. <laughs> She tried kicking out. She did. I mean, I don't know. Her shoulder wasn't down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Never revisited. Uh, next one. Better career. Randy Orton 
or Edge. I had a feeling you were going to throw this question <laughs> in there. This is the most difficult one I always have a problem with. Uh, so I'll let you guys think for a second. So but, I, I uh, anticipate this question to be asked, so I kind of pre-planned <laughs> this in my head. But my God, it took me a while because I had to like make a movie in my head of like their careers. I'm going Randy Orton. And it's only for the sole purpose that Edge had a long layoff with that neck injury. And there was a lot of time missed that he could have had absolutely epic feuds. But uh, if we're, I mean, if we're talking entrances, you know, Edge clearly has the greatest, like, iconic entrances. And, like, he can do more as far as the creativity. But I look at body of work. I got to go Orin because Orin shined in every gimmick he was in. Starting off with Evolution, being the youngest, um, at that time, the youngest world heavyweight champion. Leaving that faction. And then he develops into feuding with uh, being the legend killer. Feuding with Undertaker and all these legends. And then he develops into feuds on the Age of Orton, which is probably the most sinister type character that Orton's ever done. Bald Orton, getting the ta- both matching tattoos, the full sleeves, coming back from an injury, developing a faction there, feuding with John Cena, iconic guys, Triple H. Um, I look at the backstage of Heat they drew, feuding with Vince McMahon, punk kicking Vince McMahon, having um, a fist fight in like one of the households at Triple H. I, I look at all those moments and then even reinventing himself, going feuding with you know Matt Riddle together in a tag team faction, rated RK Bro. I just think that Randy Orton can adapt a little bit better with everyone because if you're looking with Edge, as excellent as Edge is, Judgment Day didn't last long. Now, I understand they were due to creative purposes. But either way, Edge was the one that made that decision where I'm not going to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. They're still together, though, because of Edge. They started that faction. So that's a, that's a good point. But um, so the it is very tight, but I got to give Warren um, the slight edge on that one. No, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am also going to go Randy Orton with this one. And it is close, but something that I think about is... When Orton came in in 2002, he was pretty much at the top of the game ever since he came in to WWE. It did take Edge a little bit because he was in a tag team. And, you know, Edge is probably a Hall of Famer before he became a singles competitor as a tag team with Christian. Um, But I just think Orton just, you know, he's a natural. I'm not saying Edge isn't. I think they're very alike in, in many ways. But I just think Randy Orton has been at the top of the game since he came in. He's won more world championships. Um, I, I don't know the accolades off the top of my head, but if I had to pick one, I'm going to pick Randy Orton. I think this is very close, and I think sometimes this comes down to preference for me on the day. And really, what I'm thinking <laughs> about means the most. I think it's very close. Uh, Edge is an 11-time world champion. Uh, don't quote me on Orton. I think he's 12 or 13. I think he's 13. Is Orton no, he's 14, 14, now? 14, 14, 14 I think he's 14. So, yes, he has more world championships. What I also want to take into consideration, a lot of their stuff they've done together. So they were a team yeah. together. When Edge came back out of this retirement, He's also put on some incredible matches at this age that he made up for lost time, in my opinion, because some of the feuds he's been able to have now 
Ah, oh, it's so difficult. The the argument for Orton being in the spotlight, it's because he was put with Evolution. So would he have been able to kind of jet himself into the main event picture so fast if he wasn't with Evolution? I can't hold that against him. So if I am picking with a gun to my head, I would pick Randy Orton. But I think Edge, there's a lot to say about Edge, especially in his run, his second career run that I think right now we don't look at and we will in another 10 years. I'll say this, that his post-injury um, return, as far as match quality, has probably been his best work of his career. Which is insane to say, because he had feuds with Cena that were just ridiculous, yep. and Orton, and, and a Foley. bunch of other, and Foley, and a bunch of all these other guys. Exactly. And something about Edge and Orton, they both feuded with Foley, and they were both like yep. such good feuds with him as well. They both have that hardcore. Yep, that hardcore match, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we'll do a couple ones that I think are somewhat easier, so we don't take too too much time. But yeah, they're they're fun. super identical with each other. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, better call up. So long term, who's going to be the better call up? Tiffany Stratton or Braun Breaker? Ooh. I'm gonna go Tiffany Stratton. Um. Because if you look at like the women's division, the women's division has always been devalued compared to the men. And I think Braun Breaker, you know, not to say that he's gonna be one of those guys, but he's your typical, you know, meathead, big jacked guy who just comes into the company, very athletic. Whereas there's a rare like superstar for the women that comes into the company a once in a generation, like a Sasha Banks or Charlotte Flair. And Tiffany Stratton has Bianca Belair, Charlotte type potential with what she's doing at NXT right now. I guess she's not like, she's still like trying to get to that next level on the mic. She'll, she's still, she's young. She's just doing this whole thing developmental. So that's only going to elevate from there, but the in-ring ability is excellent. And I just think she has the cleanest moonsault I've ever seen for the women. Um, so I, but Braun Breaker has potential, but the problem is he's just in like a larger sample size which is tough because there's going to be a lot more people that can be like Braun Breaker that can come into the company, whereas there's not that many special talents of the women that a Tiffany Stratton brings to the table. I do agree with you. I think Tiffany Stratton has it a little bit easier because there's less competition in the women's division. So I think in terms of long-term booking, Tiffany Stratton's the easy pick. I think Braun Breaker definitely has it a lot harder, like you said, because he's kind of like, you know, a meathead. I think the competition in the men's division, there's so much more competition to run through than what Tiffany Stratton's going to have to go through. And I think Tiffany Stratton could be the next, like the best thing in the women's division in maybe five, five years, probably less, depending yeah, yeah. could be less. Right. And I, I don't see Braun reaching the same heights that I see Tiffany Stratton at. So I got to go with Tiffany for this one too. I went with Tiffany as well. The one thing I will say about Braun, though, with the heel change, he's going to be more than a meathead because he is also someone that uh, has a lot of athleticism right now. He may not go to that as much when he gets older in his career, but he's someone right now that has a ton of athleticism compared to a lot of those other guys. So the best spirit uh, but the, too. The, the, comp the competition is... Uh, is a little bit heftier, obviously, on his side. Uh, better all time, Rock or Stone Cold? Wrestler or all around? All around. Rock. Um, 
Oh, okay. I'm going to go Rock. I think Rock's a better wrestler. And I think they're neck and neck as far as, um, you know, storytelling, promo, even though I, I've always given this. I always say The Rock is the greatest talker of all time. But you can make an argument that Stone Cold is too. I, if I, I, if I just separate them into two categories, so wrestling-wise, I always think Rock can do more. Stone Cold was kind of held back a little bit with the injuries, with like the back and like the knee injuries. Um, as far as the talking ability, I think Rock has slightly more content. Now, Stone Cold's gimmicks go over more, like the what and all that stuff. But I think if you're talking about gun to my head, who can cut a promo that's going to captivate an audience that's going to be more memorable and like humorous, I got to give a slight edge to Rock on that one, even though both of them are legendary. And Stone Cold, to me, has probably the greatest backstage segment when he took over um, the headquarters. That's one of my greatest um, segments of all time. So it was very tough, but I got to give a slight edge to Rock. I'm going the opposite. I'm going Stone Cold for this one. I mean, when you think WWF, WWE, you, I mean, you automatically go to Stone Cold Steve Austin. He got the, the biggest pop from a crowd. He was feuding with the McMahons all the time, always crossing the boss. Um, and on, like, I'm not going to say if it wasn't for Stone Cold, we would have never had the rock that we had. But up until the rock feuding with Stone Cold, Stone Cold already had WrestleMania main events. He faced Bret Hart, he faced Shawn Michaels. Uh-huh. The Rock didn't really do much up until that point. He was Rocky Maivia. It kind of took him a little bit. And I just think that Stone Cold Steve Austin overall, quality-wise, has the better career. Um, and he really earned it as well. I don't I don't think he was given that much. And over the years, we've seen The Rock just come back whenever he wants, given matches, main events against John Cena, stuff like that, which is fine. He's one of the greatest of all time. But I just think even in their early days, Stone Cold was just better. Uh, I also went Stone Cold and I have to remain consistent because uh, I had him over Rock on the Rushmore and I think it's yep. consistent there. I won't go into too much details but remaining consistent. Yep. Better celebrity appearance and wrestler. Logan Paul or Bad Bunny? Logan Paul. I'm going to okay. say Logan Paul because one, um, you know, this one's kind of like an easy like uh, cop out, but he's had more matches than Bad Bunny. And he's sure. had more better performances. Now, given Bad Bunny has gone well each performance he's been in, and I will make the case if whoever's going Bad Bunny, Bad Bunny has the greatest pop from the hometown, that backlash at Puerto Rico. That's the greatest pop of all time. But if we're kind of strictly keeping it to like wrestling, Logan Paul has done more. I remember um, at the Saudi show, everyone was kind of counting out Logan Paul. to like, you know, in even us, um, all three of us, I think, were saying, man, why is Logan Paul? Especially, I think Jeremy pointed out, like, Logan Paul's not meant for that spot to be, to be fighting the, uh, the tribal <laughs> chief. Um, and when we actually got out there, I did. I thought they were going to give them 10, 12 minutes. But this one, if, correct me if I'm wrong, went, like, at least 20, 25 minutes. If I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was like 30. I and think. Logan Paul just does something iconic every single time, like whipping out the phone and then doing the frog splash. We saw him at WrestleMania. He came on from like um what's it called? The um the little bungee, the um the zip line. I just think everything he does, there's entertainment value in it. And he's always gonna make a dramatic entrance and the in-ring ability he delivers each time. So I gotta give uh, Logan Paul the edge. I'm giving Logan Paul an edge as well. 
And credit to Bad Bunny, though. I honestly never thought that I would be a fan of his after like WrestleMania 37. I didn't really care that much. He made me a fan just two months ago when he faced Damian Priest in Puerto Rico. That match was fantastic. I do think Logan Paul's just a natural athlete. He has the athleticism. He has the size. I think he's gifted. And he's also going to do some insane things, just like Bad Bunny did too. I just think Logan Paul is a little bit better in the ring than Bad Bunny is just because he's an athlete. He's a little bit younger. He has the wrestling background already. So I think he's a natural. But Bad Bunny improved greatly from his first performance. I will say that. I agree. If Bad Bunny can keep improving, this will be more of a debate. But I also give the edge to Logan Paul because he has more experience too. A better title, the new world title or the new undisputed title? The new world title. When I saw that thing debut in Triple H on Raw, I'm like, this thing is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's the equivalent of that in the AW, the Triple B belt, to me, are just 1A and 1B. I have nothing else to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the new world title is also kind of light years above the undisputed Universal Championship. I will say, though, this is definitely the best version of that Universal Championship. I think the blue one was okay. I think the red one was okay. The black one is just plain. But that little gold in the background added that extra touch. I I really do enjoy that title as well. But I think the world title is better. I actually am in the minority in terms of liking the new undisputed title. I really don't think it's that different, nor is it that great. I think the new world title is so much better. Uh, but... I understand why they did it. So at least we only have one title now. Uh, better crowd, San Juan, Puerto Rico, or Montreal? San Juan, Puerto Rico. I mean, I watch both shows with you guys. Watch, no, sorry, I watched the Puerto Rico one by myself and everything. Um, but I watched the um, was it backlash you watched together, and I just thought the Puerto Rico one was just superb in every sense. Bad Bunny comes out there. Cody got a huge pop. Brock got a decent pop. Everything was just phenomenal with that. So I got to go with that one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Puerto Rico as well. They did not take a match off. And I Mm -hmm. think that could go down as one of the greatest crowds of all time. Plain and simple. (laughs) I agree. I second and third with exactly what you said. I will make it short and sweet for that one. Uh, Better wrestler right now. John Moxley or Cody Rhodes? Cody Rhodes. <laughs> I think it's based on style, too, <laughs> on what you like. Cody Rhodes is Miles. All in favor of Cody? Yeah, Miles, not even close. Miles <laughs> and Miles and Miles. I needed to include Moxley in something because I wanted to give him a little bit of respect. Fair enough. So. Uh, better faction. Okay, so back to faction. I did have another faction question. Evolution or NWO? Evolution. Um, I just think NWO is just like the most meaningful in terms of WWE and WCW history. I think NWO, I mean, Hogan, Nash, Hall, they had others join it in WWE, Booker T, X-Pac, Big Show, Shawn Michaels at one point. WCW was loaded with NWO members. So I just think that faction has a little bit more meaning in terms of history. I agree. I'm with NWO. We can go a little bit quicker. There's still a few more, so I know we're hitting hitting that hour 27 mark. Uh, better on the mic, Becky, Mercedes. Becky. 
Not close. Wow. Not Sean. close. Becky's the greatest of all time on the mic. I, I wow. think I'm going to go with Becky, but I think it's close. I'm going to go Becky. I also think it's Becky, but I do not think it's as miles apart as Sean thinks. That's very interesting. <laughs> uh, better future, Bianca or Rhea? I'm going to say Rhea based on ages and everything like that. Rhea is, is supremely young. I think she's, if I'm not mistaken, 26 or 27, close to that. I think you're correct. And I, I believe Bianca is around, like, what, 32 or so? So Rhea has more um, – Bianca yeah. has more – Rhea is 26. 26. Um, Bianca has more mileage on her right now. So, I mean, she can still go. She's at, I think she's 34. 34. I think she's the best athlete in the company right now. But even then, though, you hit, like, a breaking point, a certain age where you basically have to kind of hit the – Head and not do any more Rhea, and I think she's obviously the most meaningful thing right now. She's one of the most over in the one of the best factions going, probably the second best faction. Whereas Bianca is as vanilla as Kawhi Leonard right now. So <laughs> I am gonna go with Rhea. If we're talking up to this point, who's had a better career? Bianca Belair, not even close. If we're talking future, Rhea Ripley, she's younger. I think there's more to do with her character, even though I think we do see a Bianca heel turn happening very soon. Agreed. But I, I think Rhea Ripley just has uh, so much time and, left. And, and so win I that belt back be from Oscar. Mommy for three uh, on there. Most under, more underrated that you would prefer. Buddy Matthews or Ricochet? Under, I'm going to say Buddy Matthews. Because of the fact that he's kind of in Malachi's shadow right now, whereas Ricochet, I think he always gets his due um, diligence and props because he's always been known as a high flyer and people always go ballistic. But when you're in a faction, it's kind of easy to be left out. So I'm going Buddy Matthews. I am also going to go Buddy Matthews. I think it's very close in terms of who's the better wrestler. Buddy Matthews is obviously bigger. So he can do more with like bigger guys, but also he's been in two great factions. He's in the house of black right now doing great like, yep. trios champs. And he was also one of the disciples for Seth Rollins. Yeah. He was very good when, in that role as well. He, right. He was very good. So I can like, he he's so underrated to me and I would love to see more of him. Three for three, buddy Matthews for me as well. <laughs> uh, better on the mic, Kevin Owens or Chris Jericho? Jericho. That was also very quick. I, I mean, Jericho, Jericho to me is just <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Owens is great, but if you're talking longevity, Jericho's been doing this since he was like a damn near baby. Like he's just effortless, more iconic moments. So I would I, give I Kevin Jericho. Owens a little bit more respect, but I will also say Jericho. Yep, three for three. three. If they were a free agent right now, who is the bigger free agent? Kenny Omega. Or Will Ospreay? I mean, this one's kind of a tough question because you can't really compare the two because of the age gap. If we're talking better future, who are... Free agent. If they were a free agent today. It's tough, though, because if I want the next 10 years, I'm going Osprey. If I want, can I milk as much possible moments in the next two to three years, I'm going Kenny. So, But if we're going longevity, I'm just going to go longevity purposes. I'll go Osprey. Kenny. Kenny, Kenny's going to bring in the money. I think he's more of a household name. People know him better. I think WWE would 
go after him before after going after Osprey. I also think it would be Kenny for the simple reason that he has the name that people already know on TV. Uh, better wrestler. I didn't know who to put him with. Uh, Mustafa Ali or Orange Cassidy? Orange. Not close. Close. <laughs> no, I think it's no close, way. but I think it is Orange as well. I think it's I Orange. think Orange Cassidy Orange is miles <laughs> ahead of Ali. I have a couple more that we can get through, so I want to do kind of a speed run. I know we're taking up a lot of time. Uh, better team, Young Bucks or the Usos? This is Young a, Bucks. is something that is very interesting to me because I had to think about this for a lot longer these days than I did, say, just a year or two ago. I'm going to go Usos. Okay. We're talking a full package. Full yep. package. Usos. But it, it is close. I think it's Young the Young Bucks. Bucks just because I think they can do a little bit more. I agree with that. Better song to pop to, Seth Rollins or Cody Rhodes? Cody. I love that. I, 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 Cody. I, 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 Cody. I'm addicted to that. It was my number one listened to song on Apple Music last year. It'll probably be my number one this year on Spotify. I'm gym later on tonight. I'll be blasting at least three times throughout the workout. <laughs> Better career, AJ Styles or Kurt Angle? Kurt Angle. Wow. Okay. We're taking every promotion, <laughs> correct? Or just every promotion. <sighs> Kurt. I'm still gonna stick with Kurt. I actually think it's AJ because Kurt was in WWE for what eight years? And he was in TNA less time than AJ as well. And AJ is the reason TNA was ever a company. Uh, for the things that he did so and I think in in WWE's purposes Kurt Angle probably had a better career than AJ has AJ is not done yet so it's hard to say um but I think AJ's TNA accomplishments and New Japan accomplishments outweigh what Kurt Angle did in TNA or or any other promotion. I'll tell you what if AJ ends up fighting Kenny at WrestleMania I might swap that pick to AJ <laughs> um better mania 17 or 39 39 39 39 clean sweep uh better stage 39 or 34 39 39 <laughs> <laughs> better better main event Thir- better main event 39 or 34 39 <laughs> Better future, Austin Theory or Carmelo Hayes? Theory. Haven't seen enough of Carmelo yet to give him that nod, so I'm going to go Theory, but we'll see. I'll Another one in theory, five years. I, I think he's years, someone like that's young enough it. that has the opportunity Carmelo to do is so. great. Underrated, Sami Zayn or Dolph Ziggler? Oh, here Underrated. <laughs> You know what? Hey, Goldberg. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna say Dolph because Sammy is getting his due um, respect because of what he's been a part of with the Bloodline. He's in the, one of the biggest. He was a part of the well, the main event at 39 in the biggest tag team match yep. ever. So to say that you're not to be classified as underrated when you're a part of like that wouldn't make sense. So I gotta go Dolph Ziggler because even though I do clown him, 
I think I, I think <laughs> that he is a very decent wrestler. I think he's pretty good. Um, One of the best drop kicks in the game, Dolph. Yeah, Ziggler. so I got to go with that definition of question. I got to go Dolph Ziggler for this one. Yeah, I'm with you. Sami Zayn just got a WrestleMania main event. I mean, Dolph Ziggler's yeah. never touched that. He never will, unfortunately. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, I mean. He was like one of the closest things to Shawn Michaels that we were ever going to see when he was younger yeah. in his career. And it, never amounted, that? it never amounted to anything. So definitely Ziggler because he's got the talent, man. He just never he stuck in John Cena's era, unfortunately. Yeah. He was pretty much one of the best cash ins ever. Dolph Ziggler. Yes. And I also had Dolph yes. for this. Uh, better all time. Trish or Lita. Trish. 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 I think Lita may be the better wrestler I agree. in her prime, but it is close. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting one. I have two left. Better career, Drew McIntyre or Bobby Lashley? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Bobby Lashley because even though like his first run in like 2005 ish, like he didn't really do much, but he was uh-huh. still working with, you know, Batista, Kane Booker, Finley. Those are not names. That, ECW yep, champion. Those are not, uh, names to not sneeze at. He was ECW champion. He was involved with Vince McMahon, Durag Vince for God's sakes. Um, and then we, <laughs> he reinvented himself. Like when he started to get up in like late thirties and forties, he was doing his best work ever in the ring. The guy is absolutely jacked to the gills. He puts on, phenomenal performances and then when he aligned himself with mvp um you know he had his own faction so he's a part of everything and he's had some more memorable moments than drew mcintyre and the fact that drew mcintyre doesn't really have a good gimmick unfortunately is kind of what gives the design factor now mcintyre is a much better wrestler than lashley in my opinion but i think as a full-on like package in longevity wise and body of work i gotta go lashley here I think it's interesting because they both had their moments where like each of them was like on top of something at one point. Yeah. And I'm going to give the slight nod to Bobby Lashley because I think his first run in WWE was a hell of a lot better than Drew McIntyre's first run. I agree. And I, I think now that they're both back and kind of in a groove, I do think Drew nudges him out a little bit currently. I agree. But also, Bob did beat him at WrestleMania 37 in a great yes. match. And Fantastic I do match. think, I do think that this is some of Bobby's best work that he's ever put on. So I just think that first run that he had for like two or three years when he was facing Umaga at WrestleMania ECW champion, I think that is what solidifies it for me that he's had the better career. I agree. And that's what I was thinking about during this question was Drew McIntyre's first run was just not it. So, but I yeah. do think they are neck and neck in terms of ability right now and what they've done in their second runs that makes them very, very close in terms of if you're just going yeah. on a second run, what it would be. I will say, I think Drew McIntyre at one point was more over than Bobby Lashley ever. I think sure. when, um, sure. when he won the Rumble. When he won the Rumble. Clash, 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 Clash of the Castle, Castle I think, was the most over he got. That too. He was probably over twice. I think, yeah. yeah. When the yeah. Rumble happened, he was definitely... Uh, I think they were just very excited Roman got eliminated, but uh, they obviously liked Drew McIntyre winning that Rumble, too. So that was probably more right. over than Bobby's. Yeah, that and WrestleMania 36, right. for sure. So. Uh, the last one, better GM, Eric Bischoff or Teddy Long? This is a good one. Um, I'm going to go Eric Bischoff here. 
because Teddy Long is he was more of a comedian type, you know, GM. He didn't really get involved in much storylines. He was kind of out there to announce who the fuck he was gonna challenge the Undertaker. <laughs> whereas you were the one on one with the Undertaker. Whereas Eric Bischoff, you know, there was a time where him and Stephanie um, were clashing over who was gonna draft two. Hell, he fucking kissed her backstage in a controversial <laughs> shit. Um, so he was involved with that. He was uh, feuding with Paul Heyman on like a specific WWE draft. He was feuding with Vince McMahon. Vince fired him live on the trial of Bischoff. So Eric Bischoff has been involved in every possible storyline that's just entertaining to the crowd where Teddy Long doesn't really have those moments. So I got to go Eric Bischoff here. Yeah, I'm going to go Bischoff as well. I personally like heel general managers more than I like yeah. face GMs. So that's why I'm going to give Bischoff the nod. And I also think I would put Heyman above Teddy Long yes. as well when he was a SmackDown general manager too. Yeah, that's fair. I uh, I also pick Bischoff for the simple reason that I also think I, I think we talked about this. One of my favorite years of wrestling was 2005. And I think Bischoff also helped carry... 2003 2004 2005 during that time or 2004 2005 um for raw and i just remember 2004 survivor series uh that whole storyline with the inmates running the asylum and all that stuff it was just so good with bischoff a lot of the times yep excellent um well thank you guys that was a a loaded episode full of lots of uh discussion we agreed on a decent amount but there was still some definitely some uh there wasn't any daniel bryan john daniel bryan danielson john cena moments but uh we'll we'll get through just bryan danielson bret hart yeah we'll we'll get through it I'm, i'm a bryan danielson stan so uh we thank you and we will see you next week again follow us on all socials MR Wrestling Pod. This this episode will be out Friday before SmackDown. We're, we're, I'm probably going to experiment with dropping the podcast a little bit later. I've been doing it in the mornings a lot, but I think it's going to be more later in the day when we release on Tuesdays and Fridays. So you can have it for your ride home. You can have it for the evening time when you get back. Um, but it'll be mid to late day uh, on those days from now on. But thank you as well. Thank you to my co-hosts. We will wrap up and you all have a good one. 